Good afternoon, everyone. It was impressive seeing Stever turn around with the mic without strangling himself as we sung praises around the world. Well, it's great to see everybody uh, this afternoon. Uh, thanks for coming back for those that were here last week to hear part one about making decisions within the will of God. But before I jump in, I did want to remind a, remind of, of a couple different Christmas activities that we do have coming up as a church. Uh, we have, I think, six acts for our um, Christmas party, which is coming up December 9th. Uh, for those that don't know, we'll be back here Saturday, December 9th, uh, having a Christmas party. Uh, we'll have a great time of fellowship. I mean, just a, a great time being laughing with one another, crying with one another, depending on what the acts are like. Uh, but it will be a great time uh, as we fellowship. We do have ro room for a few more acts. Uh, so, Chad Wolf, if you've been working on juggling, brother, we got a room for you. <laughs> So please talk to my wife or talk to, to me as far as within that. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. So that's Saturday, December 9th. Uh, this coming up Friday, uh, we will have our Mosaic Christmas party, uh, we'll, which will be at the Plano Senior Center. So we still do need some volunteers in different areas. Uh, so please reach out to Nita Hollowell. Her number uh, is uh, up there as well uh, as far as just food, uh, dancing, fellowshipping, uh, with those with mental illnesses, adult men with mental illnesses, what this party is for. So it'll be a great time to reach out and take care of our community. Um, so we, we do have some great things lined up as far as fellowship, and hopefully we'll make the godly decision in whatever we need to do. Amen? No pressure, though, all right? But as we talked about last week, life is full of decisions, as I mentioned, we make, as adults, 35,000 different decisions a day. And that's conscious decisions, not the subconscious decisions. And as I mentioned last week, even the seat that you're sitting in right now, you have to make a decision of, right? Uh, do I want to sit right here? Do I want to save seats uh, for my friend? Do I want to not save seats for my family? You know, all these different things that come up. And as I mentioned last week, I mean, we had Thanksgiving uh, this past week. So, you know, what did you eat, turkey or ham? Turkey. Both. Pumpkin pie. Okay. Uh, did you wear socks or no socks? You know, socks, uh, depending on what your feet look like, right? That definitely will help you out as far as what to do, socks or no socks. Should I work out or should I do yoga? Uh, you know, should... <laughs> Should I eat vegetables or should I eat fruit? Both. So many different decisions that we have. Should I listen to man or should I listen to God? Decisions upon decision upon decision we have to make throughout the day. We also looked at how not to make decisions. The open door policy or the open door method where if the door opens, then I'll take that job in Nebraska. You know, if that door opens, I'll go to this place where I know no one, where I have no friends, where I have no church family. Should I take the job there? If I get the job, I guess the door is open. And we saw that doors are opportunities. That's not necessarily the way to make decisions. It's not direction, but it's opportunity. 
We talked about the fleece with Gideon. You know, a lot of times the fleece is just a lack of faith. God, if you do this for me, if you make this happen, then I will do your will. But as we read through the word, God wants us to do our do his will regardless. Amen. We don't need a, a cow to come from the sky for us to do God's will. Amen. And then lastly, how not to make a decision based on the feeling of inner peace. You know, oh, man, I feel peace about this. So since I feel peace, it must be the way to go. I should get up into, you know, above my head in debt because this car, it makes me feel just right. It boosts my confidence. And God wants me to have confidence, right? Ah, not confidence in your car. The confidence in him. You know, as Dave uh, Markowitz was talking about, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we put our treasures in places that are not God. You know, maybe our home or our furniture or our vehicle or even uh, some of our own abilities. But God is saying inner peace, that's, that's not a definitive guide. And we saw through the cross last week that it was, it was nothing peaceful about Jesus going to the cross. But that was the best thing possibly he could have done, especially for us as disciples. Amen. So we have these ways of not making decisions. We don't want to use those different ways of making decisions. And then we have the will of God. We have making our decision, but we want to make those decisions within the will of God. I'm just going to blow through these. But John 4, 34, it says, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. In 1 John 2, 17, the word, the world and his desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we have true value within the will of God. You know, if we want to follow Jesus, follow the perfect man, we follow the will of God, as we saw there in John 4, 34. Because what did Jesus do? He said, this, my food, my food, my turkey, my ham is going to be the will of God. But then if we want to see God's face one day, if we want to live with him, if we want eternal life, we must understand and follow the will of God. So if you wasn't here last week, that had to catch you up in a nutshell, what we talked about. How not to make decisions, and then how to really prioritize the will of God, or what is the priority of the will of God. So now we're going to jump in of how to make decisions, all right? You know, if you held on this whole week, and you're like, I'm not going to make a single decision, Clint. I'm not going to make one until this next Sunday, so I'll know what to do. Hopefully that wasn't you. But if you could turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Because in Acts chapter 17, we get to see what does God's will look like in real life when it comes to us making decisions. What's God's will? What's his plan? What's what's his desires for us? And this passage, it really shed much light, I know for me personally, of what God's will truly is. 
Because sometimes we can get insecure when it comes to making decisions, right? You're like, okay, is this truly the will of God? Is this truly something that I should do? Is this a door that I should go through? Let's look here in Acts chapter 17, starting verse 24. You guys with me? All right, here in verse 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And just real quickly, this is after Jesus' death. This is the church is moving and, and plugging along here, and Paul lands in Athens. He's in the country, and all these guys, he's, he, he goes and partake in conversation with guys that all they do is talk about what's the latest thing. You know, it's like him going to CNN or, or ESPN or Fox, Fox and saying, okay, I just want to talk with you guys. Let's, let's rap for a little while about what's the latest and greatest, what's the newest idea. But as he was there, he noticed they had an inscription that said, to an unknown God. I don't know if this was because they really didn't know who God was or were they trying to appease all the different gods. Not really sure. But picking back up here in Acts 17, verse 25, it says, And he, God, is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Verse 29, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Amen? So we have Paul. He's, he's talking with these guys. He's trying to convince them of who this God truly is and who Jesus is. But as he's doing this, we get a glimpse on what, what is the will of God. What's the, what's the, what are the things that are unchangeable? Right. What are the things I, I have no effect on? Because God already said it was going to happen. You know, you, you take the cross, for instance. God had a plan to send his son to die for us. He sent him. And he said, not only am I going to send him, he's going to die and I'm going to raise him from the dead. Satan can't stop him. The Roman guards couldn't stop him. The, the Jews couldn't stop him from making that happen. So you got God's plan. His sovereign plan, those things we cannot alter. You know, as it said here in verse 25, he said, he created all things. 
He created us. He created, and he continues to create. Then we have the other side. So we got God's plan. We want to make decisions based on what we know from his sovereign plan. But then you have God's desire. That's a little different. Because God can't make us worship him, right? He can't make us believe his word. He can't make us love our spouse and take care of our children. He can't make us reconcile. He can't make us keep our eyes pure. He, that's not what he does. He says, I'm going to let you know my desire, though. And I'm going to put you in a place so that you can perhaps reach out to me. Because what does it say in verse 26? It says, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them in exact places where they should live. That's God's plan. He took care of that. You had no choice in who your parents are. You had no choice of where you was born, right? I mean, we're not, we're not created in, in that way. God takes care of all that. And hopefully we're happy with our parents. Amen. I know. I saw the, uh, the McLeans and Briscoes over there chuckling because they're like, hey, Danny, like, hey, I, that's the cars I drew. Tom and Mary. And they're great. Amen. Yo, you guys are great. I don't care what nobody say. But in verse 27, so we have God's plan. He puts us in different places. But then verse 27, he says he did this with the desire of us reaching out to him. Reaching out and having a relationship with him. He can't make us do that. He, he's put us in Texas or some of us from South Carolina, just depending on where you're at, or Illinois. we got a brother visiting from Illinois and South Carolina here. So wherever God's put you, he's put you there. Why are you there? Is it just to make money? For, for, for those that are single, is it just to find a spouse? No. He puts us there so that we can reach out to him. So as we think about this decision-making process now, we make decisions. We have God's plan where he puts us in life, but then you have his desire to have a relationship with us. And how, how does this concept work when it comes to making decisions? And I want to look at three different things right now. Three different things when it comes to making decisions that are real to each and every one of us. Because decisions they can fall into three, I guess, big buckets. You got decisions that we know are the will of God. You got those decisions. And then you got those decisions that were kind of uncertain. And then we got decisions that we know are against the will of God, right? And here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, it talks about how sometimes we deliberately keep on sinning deliberately we know what God's will is we know what God's will is when it comes to giving we know what God's will is when it comes to serving we know what God's will is when it comes to our lives but we get to that point where hmm, that's all right and Hebrews ten twenty six it says there's no sacrifice for your sin 
when we deliberately keep doing what we know we ought not to be doing. And I came, I, I, I came at this earlier this week. Um, you know, think about, you know, everybody, well, not everybody knows my wife. But my wife is awesome. Most of you guys know her. She's an angel that was sent to, to help me get to heaven. And amen for that, baby. Sometimes, though, I don't treat her like an angel. You know, it might be hard to believe sometimes, man. It might be tough to believe, but believe me, take my word for that. But we had an instance this week. We was walking out to the car in the garage. She was going in front of me. I was behind her. As we go throughout the garage, she reached her door before I could reach my door because I have to go around the car to get in, okay? So she opens her door, and it almost hits me. And instead of waiting or being chivalrous and opening the door for my wife and saying, hey, go ahead, baby, get what simple Clint ended up doing. He ended up bumping the car door so that it hit her. Tried to make like, oh, yeah, it was an accident. You know, because I didn't see you open the door so fast. I couldn't react. So all I had to do was a football move and bump it. But after the Holy Spirit working on me for a while, because she's like, oh, whoa. And I guess she might have been thinking that same thing. Oh, well, I guess he did that on accident because I opened the door. But I knew in my heart. I knew in my heart what I did. And have you ever had that where you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing right now. I might be trying to be deceitful or put, put some sugar on it, but it's still crap when it's all said and done, right? <laughs> we know. And that's what ended up happening. You know, we was driving to, the, to wherever we was going. I forgot where we was going. I was like, hey, babe, I want to apologize because I did this on purpose. And she's like, oh, oh, you did it on purpose. Oh. <laughs> but she's an angel, so she took it well. She just... Dusted her wings off and said, thank you, baby. I, I apologize. Oh, I, I forgive you for what you did. But sometimes we, we have many decisions within our days where we come to that crossroad, right? If what are we going to do? We know what the will of God is. We know what we ought to do. But then we come to that crossroad and we're like, ah, maybe not today. You know, my first 34,999 decisions I made today, they were, they were godly decisions. So I, I, I can be spiteful right now. I can not forgive right now. I could be rude right now. Was that, did God create us for that? No. That's not his will. That's not his plan. That's not his desire for me and you. His desires for us, is when we know his will, we do it. But first, we got to overcome is when we do know his will, not to work against it. Amen? That's our first bucket of decisions. Our second bucket is decisions we are uncertain that if it's the will of God, right? We have those different things that come in life. And if you could turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We talked about this a little bit last week. Actually, Andrew Black had shared uh, during communion about this passage. Uh, as he was recounting uh, the men's retreat that we have. But we have those different times that we come to a crossroads and we're just not sure. Should I go left or should I go right? Should I stay or should I go? We have those different times. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it gives us a clue on, okay, how can we make those decisions when we're just uncertain? 
He says in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So when we come to a crossroads, go left and go right, what do we do? He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, right? So don't do what everybody else is doing, number one. Don't fall into that trap. If everyone else is buying a house that they can't afford and driving cars they can't pay for, that don't mean you need to do it. If everyone is saying that they're Christians, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know what the word disciple is, but I'm not living it out, that don't mean we need to fall into that line of cloth either. He's saying not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And who renews our mind? It's Christ. That's the awesome thing about baptism. That's the awesome thing about faith and repentance is that we can have our minds renewed. If you're sitting in your seat right now, you're like, Clint, there's no way. There's no way that I'm, I'm going to be able to make godly decisions a majority of the time. You don't know me. You don't know where I come from. You don't know my background. I'm saying you can be renewed too, amen? We all can be renewed through Christ. We all can be transformed. We all can be changed a higher level with transformity, amen, and transformation. Because then with the renewed, renewed mind, we can attest and approve what God's will is. We can know for certain what college we need to go to, what party we need to go to or not to go to, which friends to be called best friends. But then also our third decision is decisions that we know are the will of God. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary, because you know what good is. We know what good is. But don't grow weary, weary of it. Don't think, hey, I've met my quota for good things for today. Now I can slouch back and do what Clint wants to do. This scripture is so important. Because if you're here right now, you know what good things are, right? You're here at a worship service where we're worshiping God. You know what right is. You know what wrong is. You know that. But what do you know about Satan? In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, this scripture, it scares me to death about Satan. Because even if we know the will of God, and we're doing it, we still have this adversary that's right there by us that's trying to win us over. And this passage here in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, this is Jesus right before going to the cross. He's talking to Peter, and this is what he says. He calls Peter by his name Simon before Jesus gave Peter the new name, meaning rock. Verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. 
But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So not only do we have all these decisions, 35,000 different decisions to make, we have this enemy who's trying to sift us. And for those that don't know what sifting is, those back then, they really knew it. Because right now, when it comes to wheat, if you want to buy wheat bread, you don't have to make it yourself, right? You go to the store, you go to Sprouts, or you go to Walmart, or you go to the Dollar Tree, and you go buy your bread, right? And you have it. You don't have to sift the grain. But that sifting process, it's an arduous process. It's one where you're hitting the grain, the stalks, and separating the grain from the stalk. And then you hit it some more to separate the little seeds of grain. It's a process that if someone says they're going to sift you, it's not good. And Satan, he asked Jesus to sift Peter and the apostles. And so if he asked to sift them, what do you think he's trying to do to us? What do you think he's trying to do to you right now? What type of process do you think he's trying to take you through right now to truly test where your faith is, where your belief is, where your conviction is, so that you, so that I will not make the decisions based on God? Is he using something within your home life right now to sift you, to break you down, and think that, hey, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing good. I'm, trying to, I'm tired of doing what's godly. Is he using that? What is he using for you right now? Because, guys, believe me, Satan is always sifting, trying to sift us. But one thing I do want to call you to is that both Satan and God, they put us through different things, right? We got tests on God's side, and we got temptation on Satan's side. And I remember interviewing people back in, um, you know, had a manager position for a little while. And why do you think we ask tough questions when you're interviewing somebody for a job? You don't do it just to be mean. Well, I didn't. But sometimes that's why you do it, right? No, you do it because you're like, I need somebody in that chair, in that seat, in that position that's going to last. I need somebody that I can give them real, real job scenarios and they can show the aptitude where they're going to make it. You think about those that play sports, two-a-days. Why do they do two-a-days? They want to see if you're going to be able to make it, to sift, to test, to see if you're going to be there in the fourth quarter, in the second half, when, it's all, when all the marbles are on the line. So God, he does that to us so that he can build us up. Why do you think Satan does it? So that he can break us down. And that's one thing I want to make sure I'm very clear with today. Soon as you walk out this building, probably even before you even walk out, Satan is going to be looking at ways to sift you, to sift where you're at, to try to break you down so that everything you just were, everything that you just read in his word, you're going to see, oh, that's just optional. That's for somebody else. 
Yeah, that's good for ministers, but it, not me. Not me. But that's Satan. He's a deceiver. And that's what he does all day. But on the other side of the coin, we got God who builds, who strengthens, who, as Jesus said, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to pray for you so that when you turn back, you're going to bring your brothers with you. Amen. That's our Jesus. That's the one that we have going to bat for us. We have someone that says that even though you're going to go through the ringer, even though you might be in the ringer right now, I have enough faith to tell you that when you turn around, you're going to bring people with you. That's the God. That's the Jesus. That's the Savior that we get the praise. Amen? So in ending, how? How can we make godly decisions? What are some practical things that we can do to help us make godly decisions? I just got a few here. You could probably add to this list. But number one, we must read our word. The will of God is splattered all throughout the Bible. Amen? So as we continue to read God's word, we get to understand his will. So if we don't want to do God's will, you don't read your Bible. You just won't read it. It has the truth. We have the opportunity to read it and to follow it. Amen. But we also, uh, for those that have been saved by God's grace, that has repented and been baptized, who, who let faith in God be their foundation, we get to walk by the Holy Spirit. We get to be guided by that spirit. And the awesome thing about the Holy Spirit, it won't tell us anything contrary to God's word. It's going to be in concert with it. Another way to make godly decisions is to pray. Pray to God. Help, help me, God. Help me not to be super emotional. Not, help me not to let my feelings take over right now. I need you right now because I need to make these decisions based on your truth, not on my feelings. And the fourth one, asking godly people for counsel. I know that's one thing that helped my wife and I so much is having people that can help us, that can help us make godly decisions. You know, about a month ago, we had some time with the DeGuzmans. We ate a plant-based burger with some plant-based bacon. And they gave us some great advice when it comes to parenting our children. Using the godly counsel that we have. And lastly, learn from our mistakes, amen? We know we're going to make mistakes. We know we're going to do things that are against God's will, but what are we going to do when we realize it? Are we going to ask for forgiveness? Are we going to learn from the folly. What are we going to do? I like this quote from St- Steve Bloom. He wrote an uh, article in the Do Something Cool website. He says, when you see everyday decisions as independent of each other, you see them as too small and insignificant to be important. Seeing them from this point of view means missing the bigger picture. Your everyday decisions aren't isolated incidents separate from each other. 
He says that all these little decisions, that those decisions to compromise, those are not isolated incidents. That decision to cheat if we're in school. That decision to plagiarize. That decision to lie. Those are not isolated incidents. Those are different things that can end up taking down our character. But in the same sense, when we do good things, they build as well. When we serve, when we give, when we love, when we forgive, it helps us out. So two questions before I have Chris Ophiopa come and close us out. Now, I want to leave this up here when he comes up, too. What are all your everyday decisions adding up to? The things that you're doing in the morning, in the afternoon, at nighttime, what are they adding up to? Are they bringing you closer to God and his plan and his desire? Or are they taking you away? And the last question, can others see that God is in the middle of your decision making? People at your job, at your school, especially at your home, can they see that God is right in the middle of everything that you do? Because if we let our everyday decisions build towards God, if we let God get the glory for every decision that we make, that will help others put their faith in God too, amen? And I pray that as we close out right now, that we can understand that decisions, although they're many within a day, week, and a lifetime, they can be made in a godly way. If we stay in our word, if we understand God's will, understand his plan, and understand that his desire is to have a relationship with each and every one of us. Amen. And to God be the glory. Thank you. Mm-hmm.